This is the 2448 Podcast. What's up everybody? I'm Matt Broom, your friendly firefighting financial planner, and this is the 2448 Podcast. This show focuses on improving your finances, your side hustles, and moving the fire service forward through honest discussion. Let's get going. What's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the 2448 Podcast. My name is Matthew Broom, and I am your friendly firefighting financial planner. Today, we are focused on making ends meet. We are going to continue our discussion uh, about the 401A and the 457B, but we're getting much more tactical today. We're actually going to get down in the dirt and talk about the investments that you have offered to you. So, Anybody who's tuning in that doesn't work for my county and my fire department, this is kind of specific to our particular retirement, but uh, generally probably applies to a lot of different places. I just don't have the specific knowledge of those uh, plans. So I'm going to stick to what I know, and we're going to discuss this. And if you have any questions, as always, you can reach out to me at Matthew at forwardfocusfp.com. That's Matthew, M-A-T-T-H-E-W at forward as in moving forward focusfp.com so today what i want to talk about is target date funds and it was been over i don't know a year and a half maybe two years now that our county switched record keepers and when we did there was a lot of changes to our investment options and most people who were in the 401a and 457b based on their year of birth and their uh, year of turning age 65, they were placed into what's called a target date fund. Now, a target date fund is designed for participants who want to make a sound investment decision, but who do not want to spend significant time weighing and or revisiting that choice. It's comprised of a family of funds professionally managed with our uh, particular retirement it's managed by american funds these are all american fund target date retirement funds so the funds are diversified among a variety of stock and bond investments and are designed so that you can choose the target date fund closest to your expected year of retirement depending on the proximity to that target date each fund will seek to achieve growth income and conservation of capital objectives to varying degrees so that's actually just a fancy way of saying they're managing your investments within this one fund by investing in a diversified portfolio, and they're going to move from high-risk, high-reward strategies to more conservative strategies as you get closer to retirement, which for most people, that's probably a pretty good thing, but it's not perfect for everybody. Uh, target date funds quite often are one-size-fits-all investments. They're going to manage it this way no matter what. I mean, they're going to follow their glide path as they call it and move from those higher risk investments down to the lower risk investments as you get closer and closer to retirement but something that i do want to point out is that it is being managed like it says it is comprised of a family of funds professionally managed by american funds so that was a lot of confusion when we switched over from our prior record keeper to our current 
because our old record keeper offered a service called managed funds where you paid 0.5% of your account balance for them to manage your money for you. And as far as what they did for managing your money, it was not very much. They would place you into a model portfolio based off of your risk tolerance uh, questionnaire that you probably took the day you got, or the, the week that you got hired at the county, that first week you signed, signed up for all this stuff and you took a questionnaire at some point to put you into a risk category and they placed you in a model portfolio based off of that. It probably had eight to nine mutual funds in it and they would rebalance it every so often. The kicker with that is that you could get out of their managed accounts, set it to rebalance every so often on your own, and just save the 50 basis points or 0.5% of what they were charging you. So it was really quite a ripoff. Um, when it, as it comes to anything, you just have to put in the time and do a little bit of research and education and see what's going on with these things because... Just because they call it a managed account doesn't mean they're actually adding any value. So now that we've moved into these target date funds, these are managed accounts as well. It's just you're getting it for a much cheaper price, which I am a fan of. So with the old system, typically you, if you were in that managed accounts, you were paying 50 basis points or 0.5% to uh, our prior record keeper for them to manage your account. And then each underlying fund, and this is something that I run into a lot with firefighters, is that they may or may not understand that each fund that they invest in also has a cost. This is called the expense ratio. And if you're going to find this stuff out, you actually have to dig in a little bit and educate yourself. And you have to look at a prospectus. That's the little sheet of paper that tells you pretty much everything about your mutual fund or investment tells you what it's invested in, what its goals and strategies are, that type of thing. And it also lists the cost associated with it, which is the expense ratio. So when they were managing your portfolio for you, they placed you in eight or nine different fronts, each of which had uh, varying expense ratios, anywhere from you know 0.1 or 0.10 whatever percent up to 1%. So quite often when I would try to help and educate people when they were in the managed accounts, they were all in with the 50 basis points that they were paying the record keeper to manage. They were paying well over 1% for all of their investments because the blended expense ratios from all their investments was around 0.7% and they were paying 0.5%. Paying so they're paying a total of 1.2% for their investments and really getting no value add for that. And it was quite funny because I would always pull up my investments and have them side by side. And it's not that I was doing anything, you know, that fancy. I was, I'd, I'd selected my own investments, but what I did was I selected investments based off of having a well-diversified portfolio of four to five funds, but also uh, by reducing my cost because most uh, research has shown the one of the biggest drivers of long-term returns is keeping your long-term cost low. And I was my portfolio was always beating whatever theirs was by the cost. 
and that was the only reason why I was getting you know, a higher return than they were is because my portfolio cost less. It's not like I had some fancy strategy. It was just I was optimizing for low-cost investments. And that's what I typically try to do with clients as well. We get a well-diversified portfolio of low-cost investments that we can invest in for the long term. So now moving to our new record keeper and the target date funds. I'm actually not a big fan of target date funds because, like I said, they kind of put everybody in a one-size-fits-all box. But compared to what we had, I believe it's much better because the funds are typically much lower cost and they are being managed and they're well diversified and they're you know as you start out young you're investing probably a 90 10 uh, you know stocks to bonds portfolio and then as you get closer and closer to age 65 it moves closer and closer to a 50 50 portfolio and that track is what if you look at a prospectus they call a glide path you'll see for the first 10 or 15 years, maybe longer than that, depending on how old you are, the glide path stays relatively risky. You know, 90-10, 85-15, somewhere in that range of the breakdown of stocks to bonds. And then when you get about 10 to 15 years from age 65, it really starts moving towards more conservative investments, which a lot of times that is advice that you'll get from uh, financial advisors and planners. Once you, you know, we're moving into retirement, you need to start thinking about uh, conserving some of that growth. But at the same time, you have to take your specific situation into account. If you know, you know, you need so much money per month to live off of, and you run the math and you pull that out of your investment portfolio, and you know, ninety-five times out of a hundred, you run out of money at age seventy. A conservative portfolio probably is not going to cut it. You're going to have to take on a little bit more risk in order to sustain that retirement income, or you're going to have to significantly decrease your lifestyle in retirement. These things are always trade-offs. And that's why I don't particularly care for the target date funds, is it doesn't allow you to incorporate the nuance of your particular situation, which I always suggest you sit down with a financial planner advisor and work through those issues because these are highly personal issues. But going back to why I think you know it's not necessarily the best thing is that target date allocation may not be right for you at all stages of life. Target date funds follow, like I said, what is known as a glide path, which is just a fancy way of saying your investments get less risky as you get closer to retirement. But is a 50-50 or a 40-60 or 37 stocks to bonds portfolio right for you in retirement? Maybe. Maybe not. If you have a pension that you're going to be drawing on, that a defined benefit pension that is going to provide you a certain level of income for the rest of your life, and you don't necessarily need the money that you've saved within that 457 or, or whatever account it may be, you could probably take on some more risk within that account and take advantage of some more long-term growth for legacy goals or uh, maybe a long-term care fund as you know, firefighters and paramedics. We all know how terrible it can be to be in a 
government-funded um, nursing home, you know, a Medicaid nursing home, well, maybe you could, you know, invest that money for the long term and let it grow so that if you ever come to a point where you need that type of care, you've got the money set aside for it. So if that's the case, you got 30 years to let that money to continue to grow, you might be able to take on a lot more risk, maybe even up to a 100% stock portfolio if you really don't need the money. So then on the flip side of that, uh, you might just want to just have a nice nest egg saved up and you don't want to see it go down. And if that's the case, then, you know, if you've got that nice pension income and you're able to sustain your lifestyle and Maybe you just go all conservative and, you know, you try to keep pace with inflation at least. But once again, it's just going back that these things are highly personal. So a target date fund is, yes, it's very easy, but it's not necessarily the best thing for you. But it's certainly better than nothing. So second reason why I don't necessarily like the target date funds is you can actually probably create a lower cost diversified portfolio doing it on your own so that's what i do i have about four to five funds that i invest in and uh, my expense ratio is very low my blended expense ratio i think all in it's less than uh, 15 basis points or 0.15 percent and the software that we use allows me to set it to rebalance every so often. So it rebalances quarterly, and I just let it ride. I don't really ever log in and look at it, except for once a quarter when I recalculate my wife and I's net worth. A lot of people find that kind of funny that you know I'm not always looking at investments or the markets, but even you know as a financial planner, I, I just don't really care about what the markets are doing to be completely honest with you because it doesn't have a huge effect on my day-to-day life and it shouldn't have a huge effect on yours either financial pornography networks can make everything sound doom or gloom every single day but if you turn the tv off you don't even notice whatever they're saying is going on so once you find investments that you're comfortable with and whether that's a target date fund or not just Come up with a good long-term solution that you're comfortable with and stick with it and focus on the things that are within your circle of influence, like how much money you're saving. Your savings rate is completely in your control. You can reduce expenses elsewhere, increase your savings, which will allow your money to grow faster and uh, will take some of the power away from the market. If, If you're not investing very much and you're just hoping for a high rate of return to compound year over year well that may or may not happen and it's certainly out of your control but you can control how much money you save so focus on the things that are well within your control such as selecting an investment plan that you're comfortable with sticking with it and then focus focusing on your savings rate so like i said you can create a lower cost diversified portfolio doing it on your own Uh, the target date funds they are reasonably low cost but you can find something that maybe better suits your needs you might have you know 40 years from retirement you want to be 100 percent stock portfolio well none of those target date funds are going to do that for you so you're going to have to do it on your own they're all the most risky they're going to go is probably like a 90 10 split so if you wanted to be 100 invested well you're gonna to have to do that on your own and obviously this is a much more hands-on approach but if you do it 
judiciously, you can find very, very low-cost investments within our retirement accounts that you have available to you. And I've actually got a uh, what is my model portfolios for our retirement. There's a spreadsheet. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. You can use that. Uh, you start out taking a risk questionnaire from Vanguard, and you can work through making your own portfolio if you wanted to move away from the target date funds. And this should reduce your all-in costs from you know, the target date funds are anywhere from 0.35 up to 0.45%. This should get you down in the ballpark of 0.1 to 0.2%. So you're talking about cutting your costs in half. So if you would like to take a look at that, there will be a link to it in the show notes. So you're more than welcome to check that out. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. I know this stuff can be very confusing. We're obviously not really taught this in school. We should be, but we aren't. And if you, you know, whether you want to come on as a client of my company or not, that doesn't really matter to me. If you have a specific question, just reach out. Like, I, I just want to help people. That's what I'm trying to do with this podcast. Uh, I'm trying to do it through my blog and all these different things. And, you know, not everybody's going to be a financial planning client, which is perfectly fine. But if you have a specific question that you need answered, just reach out. Give me a call. Email me. It doesn't really matter. I'm, I'm happy to help out however I can. If it comes to this, you know, if it's something that is a little more than just a quick question, yeah, we might have to set up a time to talk that through. But a lot of times I can give you a quick answer that's going to be, you know, in the ballpark of what you're looking for. So don't hesitate to reach out if you do have a question specifically uh, this week, if you have any questions over any of these target date funds, send me an email, matthew at forwardfocusfp.com. And once again, I want to I want to really drill this home that a lot of people, they think selecting investments is going to make or break their retirement. That's probably not the case. Yes, can you optimize for a lower cost portfolio that might generate a little higher expected return, but you also might have to take on a little extra risk or, you know, there's ways to optimize these things that are better or worse for your specific scenario. But more important than anything is the amount you're saving and what you're saving for and coming up with a plan for when you need that money and looking at projections and, and, you know, honing in on that long term plan. It's, it's very akin to, you know, sighting in a rifle or taking aim. So we have this long term goal and that's retirement. You know, for most of us, if you follow the, the normal retirement age, it's age 65. I don't really ever want to retire, but We'll just use age 65 for an example. That puts me 35 years out. So if I want to retire at age 65 and I'm in one of these target date funds and I can look at, okay, there's a 90-10 stock split, uh, stock to bond portfolio that I'm in right now. I can look at what the you know expected return of something like that is based on past history. And I can project that going forward. So I could use an investment calculator. If I invest, you know, let's say my wife and I make $100,000 together and we invest 15% of our income. So that's $15,000 a year. 
what can I expect to have in 35 years? And is that enough to sustain my retirement lifestyle? So obviously, that is, 35 years is a long, long time. So this is something that you have to check in on. And this is why I said it's kind of like sighting in a rifle. Because whatever you do the first time, you're probably not going to hit the bullseye. You're going to have to take a look at the paper, you know, down the road. See where your shot was off. And readjust a little bit. And you're going to do that over and over and over again. And, you know, you might get to a point to say, okay, my lifestyle has inflated to a certain level. If I want to maintain this in retirement, I'm going to have to start doing more than 15%. Or maybe you get to a point where like, wow, I have really saved a lot of money. Maybe I could back off a little bit and, you know, enjoy it a little more now. It, It could go either way, but it's the you know importance of just having an awareness of where you're at on your retirement journey or your journey to retirement it's very difficult to make a plan uh for a 35 year time frame you can have a overarching goal but there's so many deflections and diversions and road bumps and, and roadblocks that you know speed bumps and roadblocks in there that you could hit that it's almost impossible to map that out turn by turn. So you just have to be flexible. You have to maintain an awareness and create a long-term plan that you're comfortable with maneuvering in and out of you know, different strategies and, and goals and whatnot. So please log into your account, take a look at it, run it through an investment calculator, see what you know that looks like in 20 or 30 years, and then... Um, you know, you, you might really gain some knowledge there that is probably invaluable. Just that little bit of awareness can go a long way in your investing journey. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, today's show. If you have any questions, like I said, feel free to reach out to me uh, next week. I'm not quite sure what we're going to talk about yet, but it's going to be some more tactical, practical advice. And uh, we will continue right down that road for a few more episodes. So I hope you enjoyed and y'all have a nice day. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the 2448 podcast. Please like, subscribe, and share the show however and wherever you see fit. If you have any suggestions, questions, or if you're interested in coming on as a podcast guest, please go to the Facebook page. There's a Google form pinned at the top. Fill it out, and I look forward to hearing from y'all. I hope you enjoyed the music. They are some friends of mine that make up the band All the Locals, and they were generous enough to let me use their music for this show. So check them out. They flip and rock. But until next time, y'all stay safe. Cheers.